Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hey there, plant people. Thank you for joining me today here in my sweet little town of Taylor, Texas. It's been cold and kind of damp and gross this first week of February. It's been cold and icy. Now, my family was a little bit jazzed up for the snow days and not having to go to school, but not me. I was not excited in the least. I'm still not very thrilled about the temperatures, even though it's kind of melting off and sort of warming up, but I gotta say, it's not a strength of mine, but I'm trying. I'm trying to be easygoing about things that are out of my control, like the weather, but I don't have to like it. All right, I will admit that the ice was kind of pretty, but it's pretty much all gone now. Now we're just kind of like soggy and muddy. As far as the temperatures go, it'll warm up again and we can get back to um, our usual. As the ice melts, it's gonna provide a little bit of extra moisture to our landscape, so that's a good thing. And those cool temperatures that we've had also benefit fruit trees that need a certain number of chill hours. Chill hours refers to the number of hours that the temperatures are below 45 degrees. Fruit trees go dormant in the winter and need a certain amount of dormant cold time in order to grow, flower, and develop fruit properly in the springtime. When fruit trees go dormant in the winter, hormones inside the plant dissipate, and this suppresses budding until the temperatures warm up. Ideally, temperatures stay cold long enough over the winter to keep the tree from budding and blooming until springtime, when we are past the point of a damaging freeze. Chill hours are really important to fruit trees. If a tree does not get enough chill hours during the winter, the flower buds might not open in the spring or they might not open evenly. And this, of course, impacts fruit production and development. Different fruit trees, like apples, pears, peaches, plums, all of those, they all have different chill hour requirements and even the different varieties within the same species can have drastically different chill hour requirements. Chill hours are different from the horticultural zones. Horticultural zones tell you the temperature range for a geographic area. They're helpful in knowing what plants will thrive in your area based on their hardiness. 
but the zone doesn't tell you anything about how temperatures are sustained. Chill hours for fruit trees are measured from the beginning of November through the end of February here in Taylor and our part of Central Texas. We are in the 600 hour region and get anywhere from 450 to 750 hours per year of times that are under 45 degrees. Other parts of the state get a lot more chill hours, like more than a thousand chill hours up in the Texas Panhandle. But then the southern tip of Texas, where it's um, a bit warmer, um, it only averages to about 200 chill hours. Fruit trees are rated by the number of chill hours they require. So when you're shopping for fruit trees, they should have this information on the tag or on a website if you're shopping online. For our area, you want to find varieties that have chill hours that fall between 450 to 750 hours. Those are gonna do the best for you. If you find a tree that you want to plant and that needs like 900 chill hours, that tree is not likely to do all that great for you because they need more cold time during winter dormancy than we actually get. It could grow and be a beautiful tree, but chances are it won't put out fruit and it really could struggle in other ways. If you find a fruiting plant that requires less chill time, that's cool. Um, just know that they are likely going to be more susceptible to frost and freeze damage. If you are willing to keep track of weather conditions and you're committed to protecting those low hour fruit trees, it is possible to grow fruit trees with low chill hours here in central Texas. You can always protect and provide extra warmth to established plants, but it's a lot more difficult to try to increase chill hours on your own. Um, I think it actually might be pretty close to impossible, at least in my brain that is. I think it would just be so, so much more willing than I'd be willing to even try to attempt. For one thing, I don't know how I would even begin to provide artificial cold temperatures. I have no clue. Uh, I just see that as expending a whole lot of time and a crap ton of money. That's way more than I want to do. The easier thing to do would be to just pay attention to what you buy and ensure your ensure that you plant a fruit tree that is within our chill hour range, somewhere around. 600 hour range. You know, we really do have a nice climate here in central Texas, but it is a little bit unreasonable to expect everything to grow here perfectly. And that's okay. That's why people study chill hours and horticultural zones and, and stuff like that. Now, if you are intent on growing a certain type of fruit and having consistently amazing yields, then 
you should be committed to giving those trees what they want. It'll be a challenge. You could also move somewhere where you can achieve those results. I'm not sure that's all that practical. I know that isn't for me. Anyway, um, Central Texas may not be known for apples and cherries, but there are actually a few varieties that will grow here. You just got to do your research on how to make them successful in our area, but also know your odds. It's going to be a whole lot less frustrating for you. You could be like us. Um, we have tried several different varieties of apple trees. I don't know, maybe four or five here at our house. And we've never had any success with them. We've tried them in the ground. We've tried them in raised beds. We've done everything that we knew we should try to do. And no matter what we tried, they just have not survived, much less given any fruit. So now I'm committed to never trying to grow apples here <laughs> anymore. So you can try. Having fruit trees on your property is a really great thing. All of their blossoms are so pretty in the springtime and when they leaf out, they provide shade all through the fall. And if everything goes right, you actually will get some fruit. I noticed at the store earlier this week um, that they're starting to put out potted um, fruit trees, container-grown fruit trees. It is the best time of year to plant fruit trees in Central Texas. It's also the time of the year when our local nurseries have the best selection of fruit trees too. Local independent nurseries are my first choice for shopping for fruit trees not only because it supports our local economy, but also because local nurseries are going to be able to recommend varieties that do well in our soil and climate. Local nurseries buy plants and items that they sell in their stores. They buy them themselves. And employees at local nurseries are usually a lot better versed in the products and plants they sell. They can make recommendations on what to get. On the other hand, chain stores, most of them have corporate buyers and they may not even live in Texas, much less are familiar with our special climate that we have here in central Texas. So go check out your independent nurseries first. Bare root trees are nice to get if you can get them. Not only are they usually less expensive than potted ones, but they're also easier to plant and move around because they don't have soil. Container-grown trees can be quite heavy, not necessarily because they have a better root system, but because they have all the weight from the soil in the container. Bare root trees are not only, are, I'm sorry about that. Bare root trees are only available for a short time because these little trees are dormant 
And when they start to warm up, when the weather starts to warm up, the plant wakes up and it starts wanting to grow. And when this happens, any leftover bare root trees will be potted up into containers to protect the roots. And once they go into a pot, then you'll be um, charged more. You're, you're going to end up paying more for a container-grown tree if you wait too long. But because their roots are completely exposed, there is a very short planting window. You need to buy and get your bare root trees in the ground as soon as possible, preferably right when you get them home so they don't get damaged or dry out. In addition to checking the variety for the chill hours, be sure to find out if the variety you want is self-pollinating or if you need a second tree to cross-pollinate. Apples, pears, plums, those guys will need a buddy tree. Peaches, apricots, and nectarines, they are self-fertile, so you only need one. They don't need a buddy to be fruitful. Chill time is really important to most of our familiar fruit trees, apple, pears, and all the stone fruits. So be sure to select varieties that fall within our chill hour zone. Figuring out chill hours can be a little confusing and trying to decide what kind of trees and variety to get is a little bit, it's a lot to think about. So take some time and learn a little bit more about chill hours. It is really worthwhile to consider if you want a particular fruit crop like plums, pears, or peaches. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn about all the great shows and music coming out of our little station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends or head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and leave a review. It's just super quick. Click on some stars, type up a few sentences maybe. It's going to help others find the show and it lets folks know that Plow and Hose is pretty good show. And if you've already left a review, thank you so very much. All right, let's get back to fruit trees. Fruit trees can be challenging. There are just several variables that affect fruit production, including chill hours during winter dormancy. It can be a lot to consider. Sometimes when you are standing in the nursery or looking at a website, it's hard to know what to get. And if you're like me, it's hard to remember all the details, like how many chill hours are needed? Do I have those? Does this tree need a buddy tree to produce fruit? It can be a little overwhelming or, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have space for multiple fruit trees to conduct a multi-year growing experiment or 
maybe you just want things to be easier. If it's just more than you want to deal with right now, but you still want to add fruit bearing tree, maybe you should consider a subtropical fruit like pineapple guava or citrus, maybe fig, almond, not almond, olive, persimmons, pomegranates, or loquats. None of these fruits require tons of cold dormancy, unlike apples, pears, and the uh, stone fruits. But some of these subtropical um, fruits, they can be a little more sensitive to the cold, but they do well with just a little bit of protection from frost and freeze once they get established. Pomegranates are a really good alternative to the traditional fruit trees. They only require 150 to 200 chill hours in order to be productive. Pomegranates are actually large shrubs. They don't have a single trunk and they grow more like a bush. But we just end up calling them pomegranate trees. Nobody calls them pomegranate bushes or shrubs. Believe it or not, they are related to crepe myrtles. I thought that was pretty cool. Pomegranates put out nice dark red-orange flowers. And then you also get fruit. Depending on the variety, the flowers will either be single blossoms where they only have one layer of petals, but they also come in double blossoms, um, which look more like carnations. If you decide to put in a pomegranate, be sure to check the label because some ornamental varieties don't put on fruit. Watch for this if you're tempted by the pomegranate at um, the big box stores. At those big box garden centers, labels are, can be kind of generic and the employees aren't necessarily plant people, so they're not, they don't really make the best recommendations. But if you want a pomegranate for the fruit, it might be best if you just stick to your independent local nurseries. Pomegranates do really well in our part of Texas. They like our long, hot, dry summers. Pomegranates are one of those ancient type plants that have seems like they've been around since the beginning of civilization. They are native to the Middle East and they grow all through the Mediterranean, North Africa, and also Western Asia. Pomegranates grow really well in Taylor. They like our black clay soil and they don't need a lot of extra care like some of the other fruit trees. They don't have to be pruned or shaped. They are a bush and they want to grow like a bush. So just let them, you know, thin them occasionally to keep them looking neat and definitely remove any um, dead limbs. Here at our house, we have two pomegranates that are about eight or nine years old. We honestly have not had any issues with bugs or any sort of disease. And they survived the awful freeze that we had last year. Really, the biggest issue that we've had with them is just losing fruits to 
critters like raccoons or possums or squirrels. I don't know what's out there some at night, but um, that's really been the only issue that we've had with pomegranates. So depending on the variety you have, um, you can expect fruits to be ready to harvest between September and October. It does take about three or four years for a pomegranate to produce fruit. Around here in Central Texas, pomegranates bloom in the spring, and if they're pollinated, they will develop fruit, and that takes about six months for them to ripen. So, like I said, depends on what kind you have, and you can have pomegranates between September and October. The fruits on pomegranates can get sunburned and look like they have a disease. They may be kind of ugly looking, but we don't eat the outside. We eat the inside, so don't worry about it. They'll still taste fine. In the fall at the grocery stores, that's when we start seeing the big, beautiful pomegranates in um, the produce section. My pomegranates never, ever... <laughs> look that good. Um, I can't really remember what variety I have, but it's definitely not the big commercial variety that they sell at the grocery stores. Mine never get bigger than a baseball and the arrows inside don't turn that beautiful ruby red. They're red on the inside, um, but some of some of the little arrows are, are pink. They're not that con they're not consistently ruby red all the way through. The arils, arils, are the juicy pods that cover the seeds. Um, I never have enough to really bother to make juice, and so the kids and I will just cut them open and snack on the arils. The seeds are edible. They don't taste like anything. You can just crunch them and swallow them. Just enjoy that nice, sweet, tart juice from your pomegranates. Figs are another great choice for a low, chill hour fruit bearing tree. Figs only need about 100 chill hours to induce that dormancy, but then they will be productive when the temperatures warm up. So that it's another great um, ch low chill hour fruit tree to add to your landscape. Figs are subtropical plants and they do best in climates with hot dry summers and mild, cool, but also wet winters. And just like we've had this past week here in central Texas, that's the exact climate that we have. So if you want a fruit tree that's easy to care for, consider planting fig trees. Figs can tolerate a variety of soil types, but they do need to be planted in well-draining soil. They like lots of sun and they can tolerate our summers very well. Once figs go dormant in the winter, they can tolerate temperatures down to like 10 degrees with very little damage. They are awesome plants once they get established. My fig trees that we have in our yard are my favorite fruit bearing trees. I can highly recommend Celeste. Celeste figs are well adapted to our area and they are one of the most cold hardy fig varieties available. Celeste is a very sweet, fig 
and it's pretty jammy on the inside. They have a fruity, sweet honey flavor, and they're not um, all that seedy on the inside like some of the some of the other figs. If you're interested in learning more about adding figs to your landscape, be sure to check out episode 39 of the Blown Nose podcast. It's um, the show from October 3rd, 2021. The info about the figs is about halfway through the show, so go download that. Even though we've had ice and freezing temperatures this past week, and that makes me feel really hesitant to get too excited to plant anything outside right now, but... February in Central Texas is a fantastic time to plant things because we can get one more round of the coal crops in. We can plant all kinds of leafy greens and we can plant beets, carrots, and radishes also. Mid-February, right around Valentine's Day, President's Day, is the ideal time for pruning and planting new roses. It's also when we need to plant Irish potatoes. Although this is my least favorite time of the year to try to do any gardening, I do love a spring garden. One of my family's favorite things to eat from the spring garden are sugar snap peas. These plants are super easy to grow and they put out lots of tender green banana shaped pods. Sugar snap peas are different than the shelling peas or the frozen green peas. They don't have a lot of individual peas inside the pod, but you can eat the entire pod and they're really good. They have a nice sweet flavor and the pods have a little bit of a crunch. They are similar to snow peas, but snow peas have pods that are flat and they don't have very big peas inside. Sugar snap peas have pods that are plump and a little bit round. Kind of like me. (laughs) They uh, grow fairly quickly depending on the variety. They mature between 50 and 60 days from planting. If you have kids around, sugar snap peas are really great plants to get them interested in gardening. When kids help with gardening, they're more likely to actually try new vegetables. And sugar snap peas are at least a thousand times better than canned peas. I can't even stand the smell of those, um, but sugar snap peas are nothing like that. They are great raw and just slightly cooked, like steamed or stir fried. Sugar snap peas are cool season vegetables that can tolerate a light frost, even when they are just little baby plants. If you're worried about them though, you can always cover them if there's a chance of a freeze. Sugar snap peas are nitrogen fixing plants, and this is a really cool thing that they can do. They can take nitrogen from the air and change it into a form that they can use for for food. Peas are legumes and all legumes can do this. They are able to suck the nitrogen out of the air and then they work with the soil bacteria to convert it to, uh, they can convert nitrogen, nitrogen gas into a form of nitrogen that plants can use. And this is really great because nitrogen is a key plant nutrient 
that is responsible for keeping leaves healthy and green. Since sugar snap peas are fairly large and have a harder seed coat than other types of seeds, it really helps to soak them overnight in water. The dried seeds will swell up um, after soaking and this is going to help them germinate faster. So do that the day before you plan to put them in your garden. Peas are flat. Um, peas are climbing plants, so you're going to want to get them some sort of trellis. Peas climb by tendrils, and they will attach to whatever is nearby. Having an upright support is going to make them easier to harvest too. Peas are a little bit prone to powdery mildew, so a trellis is going to help with air circulation, and hopefully you'll have less mildew. Powdery mildew isn't harmful to humans. It's just ugly and unappetizing to look at. It's just a thin layer of white powdery spores, and it really comes out when the weather warms up. Sugar snap peas have a pretty short window to grow in your spring garden before it gets too hot for them. And by the, powder, by the time the powdery mildew starts to show up, the peas are pretty much done and the mildew really shouldn't be much of a problem. If you start seeing powdery mildew on the, on the leaves, you can just pluck those off as you see them. It's a really good time to plant sugar snap peas. If you haven't already, just grab a pack, soak them overnight, and get them in the ground the next day. Figure out your trellis later. Don't let that stop you. Also, don't forget to get some seed potatoes and set them in a warm, sunny spot so they can develop some sprouts before you plant them. And if you want a new fruit tree, start shopping for them while the selection's really good. Well, thank you for joining me today. I think I am warmed up a bit of thought out over the past few days. I hope you have too. It's a great time of year. Have a great week and let's get together real soon. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.